Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples. The disciples had uh, some reluctance, obviously, about getting in this boat. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't have to say he made his disciples. But he said he made his disciples get into the boat. Now, when I've taught this years ago in the past, I, I, I spent some time talking about the fact that most of the disciples or many of the disciples were fishermen. They lived around these waters all of their, their lives. And they almost instinctively knew when a storm was brewing. But Jesus wanted to teach them to trust him even above their own fears. So he said to these men that knew that they were going into harm's way, get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Now, Jesus did not say go into the middle and sink. That's not what he said. He told them to go where? To the other side, knowing full well that a squall, a storm, was brewing. You are not out of God's will just because some contrary wind is blowing against you. Amen. Amen. If you live your life and never bump into the devil, it's probably because you're both going in the same direction. He said, y'all going over while he sent the multitudes away. So he stayed up on the mountain to pray while the disciples got in a boat and went into the sea. Just as Moses went into the mountain to pray as Joshua fought in the valley. Our roles may be different, but when, when each of us does their part, we win. And here, Jesus did his part. The disciples did his part, their part. Watch what happens. Verse 23. He went up on the mountain by him what? Himself. And there will be times that you got to do things alone. And he went there. And by the way, there's not always going to be a party. Everyone's not going to sense the same urgency to pray what you pray about. But he went by himself to pray. And here's the deal. He'd already given them his word. So all he could really pray for, he couldn't really, you can't improve upon God's word. So all he could really pray for was their courage. In, in my life, maybe you're different. Maybe you're just, just a better man or woman than, than I am. But sometimes I'm not sure if I really have courage or I just hate the idea of being a coward. I, I'm, re, I'm really not sure. But in either case, I can't give in to fear in my life. Now, when evening came... He was alone there. I think a great definition of patience is simply waiting on God's timing. And I'm sure the disciples were going to discover in a couple moments, they were straining at the oars, water had uh, gotten into the boat, and I'm sure they wanted out right now, at that moment, when they prayed, they wanted some answers immediately. But sometimes God looks at our situation, he says, you know what? It's not bad enough yet for me to get glory. So I'm going to wait just a little bit longer. 24. 
But the boat. A ship is safest in the harbor, but that's not what a ship is built for. And many of us, we want safe and risk-free. But that's not what you were built for. The purpose of a ship is to cross waters. And the purpose of the endurance, the tenacity, the faith, and the courage he put in your heart is to face some things in life. Said the boat was now in the middle of the sea. Again, they're in the middle of it, but Jesus said, you know what, it's not time yet. And sometimes we help people out too quickly. Unless the rain seeps down to the root of the tree, the tree will never grow. So sometimes God has to shake you to your root in order to affect change. So here they are in the middle of it, tossed by the waves. But the Bible said the wind was contrary. And the disciples were in situations like each of us. I know I find myself in, and you sometimes find yourself. You say, Lord, Lord I, I'm doing what you said. How is it that all hell seems to be breaking loose? But here's the deal. God only gives you what you can handle. So is he giving you a hard task? He must think you're hardcore. So, so understand, by virtue of you going through it, it's a compliment to what God must have placed in you. Now, sometimes he buries it deep, and I got to find it. I didn't know that existed in me, and it seemed to be way, way down like a banana. I got to reach way down to grab hold. But the truth is, it's in there. And by virtue of the fact I'm in it, I must be fast enough to outrun that dog. I must be strong enough to make it to the, the, the 12th round. You know, if I'm in it, God must see something in me more than I might see in myself. Now in the fourth watch, it's about 3 to 6 a.m., uh, the, the Romans separated the, the night into four different watches. But the Bible says earlier that the disciples got in the boat around sunset or around the time of sunset, which, you know, today might be around six o'clock or so. But here it's three o'clock in the, the morning. So nine hours later, they're still rowing, though this trip long, normally took less than two hours to get across the lake. Am I the only person in the room that every now and then faces a crisis and feels just a little bit off schedule. Yeah. Well, this was the situation of these 12 men. And Jesus went to them. He waited till right before daybreak, it seems. In the moment they felt the most tired and probably the most abandoned, he appeared walking on the sea. President Lyndon Johnson said this, if one morning I woke up and walked on top of the water across the Potomac River, the headline that afternoon would read, President Can't Swim. <laughs> Here's the deal. We could become so cynical that though God is doing his greatest work, we're still second-guessing him. 
Well, Lord, you could have done it differently. Well, well Lord, you could have kept us on, on that side. Why, why did you send us out into the midst of the storm? Or, 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 Lord, you could have made my arm stronger. Lord, you could have given us a better boat. And we could start thinking a zillion different things that God could have done better. But here's Jesus walking to these men. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were deeply troubled. All the hair on the back of their neck stood up. They had goosebumps on top of their goosebumps. Shivers on top of their shivers. I mean, here they are in the middle of a storm. And there's a person walking toward them on the way. I really need you to, to understand what that might be like. Imagine being in a room by yourself. And suddenly just somebody shows up looking at you, coming towards you. Don't you think that might just get a little bit under your skin? So their blood pressure shot up, hormones, you know, stress hormones going overload and everything. And immediately they start grabbing each other and and, and screaming in falsetto. Said it's a ghost. Here's what I know. When God does something in your life that He's never done before, it can be scary. Sometimes He does things there's no categories for. You just didn't see that coming. And the disciples were afraid. It said, and they cried out. <laughs> for this is not. See, you got to read what it says. These guys were not saying. Oh, that's a little bit scary. No. These guys were hugging each other. Ah! Okay. They cried out for fear. But this, this was important. In the middle of the storm that was almost sinking them. Again, and these, these please don't misunderstand what I'm saying about these disciples. These are rugged men. These are men who lived on these waters, made their living off these waters. They've been in boats. They've been in storms. They've been in challenges. But in this situation, they met someone scarier than the storm. You see, when we begin to really fear God, everything else in life automatically falls into proper perspective. And when you, when you think about it, as scary as that storm was, Jesus was more frightening. That's why sometimes I wonder if people really know the God I serve. Because the God I serve, is he can't fit in nobody's little cute box. The, the, the God I serve is, 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 is too big to fit in some minor theological category. This God is walking on water. And after they scream, Jesus immediately speaks to them. I want you to watch his attitude. It's the very opposite of the disciples' attitude. He said, be of good cheer. Here's the lesson. Until we rejoice in the middle of it, we're probably not going to come out of it. And we're not going to get on the other side of it. That's important. I did just say something. 
if you would just smile more in the middle of it, you'll find yourself on the way out of it. But here's what I know. It takes faith to smile. When water's in your boat, it takes faith to smile when it looks like your boat's going under. It takes faith to smile when you think you're in God's will, but nothing seems to be working out. It takes faith to smile when you're off schedule, man. You thought by now, surely God would have got me to the other side of this issue, but I'm still in it. It takes faith to smile. That's why, not you, it's your neighbor. Many Christians are so unhappy because though they're dying and going to heaven, they have no faith. That's why Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will I find faith in the earth? We'll have church, but will we find faith in the earth? Will anybody be smiling and rejoicing, saying there's coming a day the Lord's going to come back and make all this thing right. He will get me to the other side of this issue. James said it this way. He said something that uh, just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the carnal mind. He said, consider it pure joy whenever you run into trials. How can you count it joy when you're going through trouble? Because you know that the working of your faith just produces patience, but you let patience have a perfect work, he said. That you can be complete and mature, lacking nothing, meaning you can smile because you know you're going to get to the other side. And by the way, you know, sometimes you you don't understand my spirit and you might take it wrong. But, you know, each generation has their songs and and they're right in their generation. For us, you know, with with our our air conditioning, AC and, and wonderful cars and houses, for us to be singing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot is just out of place and out of date. But... No, but for the slave, there was no way out. So the only reason he or she could smile, because he knew when I get to the other side, in my father's house are many mansions. You hear what I'm saying? If I could just make it to the other side of this thing, I'm going to be okay. But immediately Jesus spoke and said, be a good chair. It is I. He was saying, listen, guys, I'm not the devil, though sometimes it seems like it. You are listening to the Live Big Broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. Find out more about Dr. Greer, Grace Church, and today's teaching at gracechurchva.org. Let's get back to today's teaching. And sometimes God can seem just a little bit like the devil. But here's the deal. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. And again, the fact he sent you into the storm is proof positive that you must have what it takes to get to the other side or he wouldn't have sent you into it. So I'm learning in my older age when something is coming against me and I feel I'm about up to there. You hear what, does anyone understand what that means? I feel like I'm about to drown. I feel like, you know what, there's no more fruit left on my spiritual tree and you about to hear, you understand what I'm saying? See, y'all understood that. Y'all understood. I remember God wouldn't have sent me into that. Somewhere deep down, even if I got to pray five hours to find it, he placed something in me that can withstand and endure. 
He said, it is I. Do not. I like Jesus, man. He's like, stop all that screaming. Do not be afraid. Saying, I got you. Didn't I say go to the other side? Isn't my word strong enough? Isn't my word sure enough? Didn't the very water that you all frightened of come because of my word? I spoke and there was dry land. I spoke and there was waters. Somehow, creation's going to trump the creator. God's arm is not too short to save. And Peter answered him. Watch what he said. He said, Lord, if it is you. His only question was, Lord, is, is it you? He didn't require Jesus to explain, only for Jesus to identify himself. It's important. Once we determine it's God, once you determine it's God, we'll make sure you're here. Once we make the determination it's God, all the important questions have just been answered. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. If God is in it, and he is there, and he's giving you a command, that's all that matters. I don't care what's happening to your boat. I don't care what's happening to the friends in your boat. I don't care how off schedule you think you are. If God is in it, that's all that matters. And if he says it is I, that's it. That's it. That's it. This is where it gets important. This is really important. Pay attention here. He said, if it's you... Command me to come to you on the water. You see, Moses didn't need a boat to get to the other side of the Red Sea. All he needed was a rod. Abraham didn't need youth to have a baby. All he needed was God's promise. Gideon didn't need his 32,000 soldiers in order to defeat the Amalekites. All he needed was his 300. Does anyone hear what I'm saying? We don't need half the things we think we need in our lives for God to perform his will. And many times I'm like, Lord, if you would have made me a little bit more like that, if if I would have had that, and and, you know, Lord, maybe I could have, God said, no, 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 no. This is what happens. We start trusting in the vehicles. The instruments. We, we, we start trusting in the things that God very well may have given us, maybe even directed us to use, instead of the God that really gets it done. Many of you trust in a man or woman to get you to where you need to be. you crazy. Your faith is misplaced. Trust in your job, that's why you're about to lose it. Your faith is misplaced. See, I've done the same thing. As a pastor, at times I started trusting people. Instead of the God that put me on assignment, the God that called me to raise up, build up, and plant. And whenever I got my focus off of God's word and on the, on the vehicle, the instruments, I find myself sinking. Here's the deal. 
If God told them to get to the other side, he walked to go to Jesus. And this brings me to what the Lord has been saying to me this week. He's saying, Derek, you're doing it. Don't look down. Don't try to explain it. Don't try to analyze it. You don't even owe anybody an explanation. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you're going to get to the other side. Where I called you. I don't think I'd be sharing this today if a lot of us, if not most of us, are in a similar situation. You may not have realized it, but you're doing it. And your heart has changed, your mindset has, has changed, you're doing things you never thought possible. You know, 10, 15, even some of y'all, 5, 3, you could never think you'd be in the place you're in today. Acting the way, living and behaving and thinking on the level you're thinking. You had no idea, you could not have imagined, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither had it entered into the hearts of man. What God has prepared for those who loved him, you had no idea, no idea, none, none. None. But you're doing it. But you're doing it. But you do. You may argue it's too late. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I may not be exactly where I want to be, but dear God, look where I came from. I'm getting it done. I'm going to keep moving in the direction God has sent me. That's important. You, you know how you fall off a tightrope? Look down. Instead of look down, look to the other side. Looking unto Jesus, the author, and finisher of my faith. God, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. I'm gonna, I don't care what they say. I'm going to keep coming. I know they say I can't do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm coming, Lord. 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 You've got to do it that way. Keep your eyes focused. Keep your eyes straight ahead. And, and, and what he's saying to me, saying, boy, don't let no one talk you down. They said it can't be, but you're doing it, boy. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. We're doing it. So let's keep doing what we do. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a hallelujah. Oh. Woo. Hallelujah. 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 Go on and sit down, sir. So I can get you out of here this afternoon. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was doing great until he tried to get logical in an illogical situation. Look, I have a very analytical personality, and I have found that I could even analyze myself right out of my miracle. Anybody in this room like me? <laughs> We can think so much. We create a problem where there was no problem. He was walking on the water. What's the wind got to do with walking on the water? You've probably heard me say this before, but, but let me just say again. Do you mean to tell me that on the calmest day, when no wind is blowing, water walking is easy? I mean, like, the wind really 
had something to do with what was happening. We often forfeit our faith getting distracted by such irrelevant things that have nothing to do with nothing. I know folks come to church, man, my life has been changed, but one little person rolled their eyes. I ain't never going back. Are you kidding me? Really? What's that person got to do with that change in your heart, your mind, your attitude, that sense of destiny and purpose? Who cares what they do? It's irrelevant. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media. 